This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Angel Rose and Ahanu. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show today. We have a fantastic show today. And, uh, well, we'll be getting right into it in a few minutes after our normal announcements. But, Ahanu, as usual, I do need to report on the weather. Fall has definitely arrived in San Diego. And I didn't think San Diego would experience a fall, not really ever having known, but it turns out that it is, you can definitely feel it in the air, this beautiful fall energy. And instead of being 96, 97 degrees, it is down to between 60 and 75. Can you believe it? I know I'm living in the Arctic Circle here. I can't believe it. It's absolutely freezing. <laughs> I know. There you are. Hanno's all dressed up in his willies. And uh we used to laugh when we see people walking around the streets with winter hats and scarves and winter coats. And, uh, in fact, they were doing that even in the 80-degree 80, 80 weather. But I know. You know, I'd see all the fall clothes and winter clothes in the shop thinking, what are they selling all those for? They're not going to be needing those sorts of things. But it is chilly, I do have to I say. I know. I remember we spent one Christmas in Florida one time, and it was really such an alien culture to us to be in that amazing heat at that time of the year at Christmas. It was a strange around. Yeah, and they, they really tried their best to make it seem like snowy, for example, and put crystals around there and glistening kind of snow effects All everywhere. All the yachts were decorated, <laughs> yeah, remember? No. But it was such a fabrication, though, wasn't it, really? It was very different, yeah. let's just say. And the other thing that comes to mind, too, coming from my culture of Ireland, you know, where we talk about this time of the year as being autumn, here, when you mention the fall, my mind always goes to the fall of man or the fall. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see. So I you guess say I won't watch my language. When then. you say we're in the fall, I, I'm saying, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh-huh. Well, we could oh have a God. conversation just about that. We, we could, indeed we could. Uh-huh. Now, we have some fantastic people coming on today, Brian and Pam Chrissy, and they have a website. And if you're listening and you're live, do go to Not Made by Hands, just while we go on our little preamble here, and check out that site, notmadebyhands.com, because it is really amazing. And do join us for a very lively conversation today about crop circles, ETs, and survival, and Just so that you know, Pam and Brian are publishers, authors, healers, and earth workers. And they've just returned from a trip to England where they had a group of others experimenting with co-creating a crop circle. Imagine that, co-creating a crop circle with the beings who were making them. The results were successful, and a circle came down with their intention inside the center of it, showing that indeed something is out there, and it's listening. So do join us in in hearing their story and their report from England. Brian and Pram Chrissy will be on with us very, very shortly. Now, in the meantime, though, let us just do our small little few announcements, because I know we're going to be so busy with this show today, we may not get a chance to mention it. 
And that is that the eight steps to freedom are at eight steps to freedom.com. That's the number eight and that's all hyphenated. Eight steps to freedom.com. Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, is at a time of change dot info. That's all one word. And the nature of reality coming shortly is the nature of reality dot info. And that is going to be riveting too, like the others. Now, tomorrow morning, we have a very special session of the group Akashic Records going on. And perhaps Angel Rose will give us a tiny little bit of background about that because it really is changing people's lives. All right. Well, some people may know that every Sunday we have been used to doing a free online group Akashic session. Uh, But we got several emails from people requesting that those groups be more topic specific. So rather than be an open forum where people call in and can ask anything they wish, uh, we decided we would make some of the sessions through the month topic specific. So tomorrow the topic is all about consciousness and the mind and how we think. And what is consciousness anyway? So we're going to have some interesting conversations and they can sign up for that particular session on the world of empowerment.com. That's the world of empowerment.com. And we begin at 10 a.m. Pacific and go to oh, probably almost 1130. So that's that. And we can't forget to mention that Ahano is feverishly writing his own book, The Reincarnation of Columbus. He was actually hoping it would be imprint this weekend. But uh, in writing part two of the book, he's realized that, you know, speaking about me just takes so long. (laughs) (laughs) She's really winding me up now, of course. That part two of the book is about twin flames and soulmates and that kind of thing and she's really rubbing it in but she is right here's the important thing today is the 12th of october and this is the anniversary of my first baby's birth who died four months later to the day on my birthday now what's really crazy about this is that we christened him columbus and coincidentally we found afterwards that he was born on the day that Columbus supposedly discovered America almost 500 years before. So the book is about amazing synchronicities, unbelievable coincidences, and a crazy, crazy life that resulted from his death. And it's a, it's, it's a gripping read. I'm reading it to Angel Rose at the moment, and she is enthralled. But of course, I haven't read her the, the, the really the gory details yet about, uh, what happened before we met? <laughs> well, I've been shocked ever since the beginning of it. Anyway, Ahano, it's it's uh, very graphic, very emotional, very very uh, specific in terms of the experience of losing your child and what you went through day by day, actually, uh, with your wife at the time, and how you recovered is really the important message here how you recovered and how you went on and also uh it it addresses men's reaction to these things and how they deal with things and how you dealt with it and what happened so it's uh people if they want to pre-order that can go to the reincarnation of com. that's the reincarnation of com. 
yeah, and order a copy. That's all one word, the reincarnation of Columbus.com. And yeah, you will get a copy of it there as soon as I have that published, which is imminent, really, really imminent. So I think we need to get to our wonderful discussion today, Ahanu. Well, just one more thing I do want to mention, and that is that uh, Angel Rose, due to popular demand, is will be teaching people how to read the Akashic Records in an exclusive once-off training that will take place soon. And you'll find more details about that in at angelrose.com or worldofempowerment.com. But let me spell Angel Rose because if we mention it during the program today, I don't want to have to spell it again. And it is an unusual spelling. It is the Irish name for angel, which is A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. So if you want to get in touch with us, it's angelrose at angelrose.com. And indeed, we also have a call-in number, which is... 805. Say it again, Angel Rose. 805-292-0349. I'm glad you have that number off by heart. I was looking for where it was written here and I couldn't find it. Okay, Brian and Pam Chrissy. Now, not made by hands. I mentioned about their website, Cosmic Energy Essences, are here to help you reach your spiritual potential and change the world. How come? Created from the messages and energies communicated through the sacred geometry of crop circles, these living energy essences make energetic shifts that bring you back to balance physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. Once we balance individually, we shift the world around us. These living essences will guide you through difficult times, help you find your personal happiness and empower you to make the world a better place. And Brian and Pam both say that old ways of being in the world are no longer working. Not made by hands, cosmic energy essences are here to help you create a new and better reality. All right. Are you there, Pam and Brian? We're not. Yes, we're not we here. are. Oh, oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> we thought he might have been out on another planet temporarily, Hanno, but he sounds like he's here. We were, but we took an emergency shortcut and came back. What'd you say? We took an emergency shortcut and we came back. Oh. So <laughs> just for this show today. We are so. Yes, yes, for this show. Show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'd like to start with the two of you. You know, you obviously are, um, a, a beautiful married uh, twin couple yourselves and we would like you to if you could give our listeners a little bit of history about yourselves and how you came uh, to publishing and how you came to be doing the work you're doing sure uh, Pam do you want to start on that no uh, she wants me to start on that <laughs> okay well uh, in this life we each were uh, incarnated in different places, and when uh, she had an encounter with uh, what seems now to have been an alien craft in Pennsylvania when she was a teenager, it kind of opened her eyes. I had a uh, close encounter in Wisconsin at a similar age, and uh, that kind of opened my eyes, and the two of us knew that there were things not being taught in the schools that were nevertheless important and uh, needed to be known. So a number of years later, we uh, met each other in Oregon, and she was working for Apple Computer, and I was teaching computer science at a college, and 
um, after uh, an extended period of avoiding each other, we uh, found each other, and uh, our chakras zipped up like a zipper, and uh, we've been uh, close ever since and uh, changed our lives around. So since we had these common experiences and common interests, we decided that it made sense to start a publishing company to bring out our interpretation of the uh, truth of the matter. Uh, nobody knows the truth, but uh, it seems like we had uh, some pieces of it that needed to be shared. So we began the publishing company uh, in the late 80s in, uh, in Oregon. And uh, at some point, uh, Pam and her sister did some uh, what they call map dowsing to find out where we should be, and uh, we were led by source to uh, sell everything and move cross-country to western North Carolina, where we set up uh, about 40 miles outside of Asheville. And we've been here since uh, 1996, and uh, we continue the publishing business, and we have branched off into this odd corner of the universe that we're talking about this morning, the um, cosmic energy essences made from crop circles. And how that came about uh, was indirectly through the publishing. We were um, we were observing the incredible formations in the fields of England that uh, came down, especially those, so there's three very special ones that came down just in the uh, few days before the 9-11 events back in 2001. And we were looking at that and uh, analyzing all that kind of material. At the same time, everybody else was figuring out uh, that we ought to probably bomb Iraq because they have better targets than Afghanistan, and they were doing all that stuff. We were looking at these um, crop circles and their meaning, and their meaning was spectacular. And basically, it was obvious to anybody that opened their eyes and looked at it that we are not alone, and we are in communication of some kind with... Uh, high-level intelligent beings that are on our side. This is not uh, uh, war of the world, an invasion of the Martians or anything. These are friendly, advanced folks that choose not to interfere with our, um, our free will. In any case, we were looking at that, and in the publishing business, uh, a few years later, we were publishing a, a couple of books by uh, uh, two women down in Australia who seem to have reincarnated as humans, having last been, uh, their souls having last been in uh, what they call soul containers, we call them bodies. Uh, their soul containers, the last time they were incarnated on Earth, seem to be these ones that were uh, the model that has, has a gray skin, and uh, they're about four feet tall and big black eyes, and some of them seem to uh, derive from the area of the sky that we know, know as Zeta Reticuli 1 and 2. Uh, they're called grays and zetas and so on. These two women uh, apparently ruined their soul containers in a UFO crash in the late 40s and decided to reincarnate as humans. And so we were um, doing their story, and part of their story was about how they felt that their mission of elevating the spirituality of humans might be better advanced if some of these crop circle makers would make a truly astounding non-human type formation that we could look at and say, hey, you know, we've got to deal with this, and that would open the doors, and people's eyes would open, and off we go. And they asked for it, as well as another friend of theirs who asked for such a thing, and those requests seem to have been uh, culminated in a response in a place called Milk Hill there in Wiltshire County in southern England. Uh, just a month before 9-11, and there was an immense 
formation that occurred. It was 900 feet across. It had 409 perfect circles in it and six symmetric arms. And it appeared in six hours of darkness and the driving rain and uh, no footprints. Um, very interesting. Uh, the drunks at the local bar would have a hard time doing that, we thought. So something was going on. And within four days, there was a another uh, response in which uh, there was a uh, a face that showed up in a field, and uh, right near it was what looked like a uh, CD, a uh, binary bit-coded thing, which if it were decoded, and it was, uh, turned out to be encoded in ASCII code, and Ahani knows what that is. That's the American Standard uh, Code for Information Interchange. It's what uh, converts binary bits into characters in our way of computing. In a sense, they were saying, hey, uh, we know how your computers work. Uh, here is something in uh, computerese that you might understand. And you look at that and it says, uh, uh, basically, uh, beware of those bringing false gifts, and uh, we do not approve of the deception that is going on. But there's good out there. Uh, have faith. I mean, it was a very interesting uh, little message. And uh, the, the faith that was right by it was done in a form that is the way that we do newspaper photographs. Uh, the, um, the bent and the unbent stalks of the field formed little uh, dots and big dots. If you got up in a helicopter a thousand feet in the air and looked down, you'd see the face. If you're at the ground level, you don't see anything except uh, a bunch of mess. But it, it was basically saying, oh, we know how uh, you do images in newspapers, and uh, here's one for you. And it was a face kind of like ours, kind of alien, who knows what. Then four days after that, there was another one, and that one was really spectacular in my mind because it again had two uh, images. One was a uh, another face, another alien face, but it was uh, it was done in the form of a TV image, a screen image, a 60-line scan of a TV image with uh, fat and thin lines going across, which again, you have to get way up in the air to see it, but it's a face. But the really spectacular one was a uh, rectangular formation. They're not all crop circles, which, we, which is why we call them agroglyphs. Um, this was rectangular, and it had a bunch of encoding in it of various kinds, which it turns out, anybody that has been watching uh, human interface with the cosmos in the last uh, several decades remembers that in 1974, I think it was, uh, Carl Sagan sent out a uh, with some other scientists, sent out a message to the universe in which it was encoded like a rectangle, re rectangle, and it said things like, here's how we count. These are the atomic numbers, the molecules and atoms that are in our bodies. Uh, these are the uh, genome counts that we have. We have a double string of DNA. We look like this. We're about six feet tall. Uh, we live on the third rock out from the sun, and uh, we sent this to you by way of a radio telescope. And that was 1974. And so just a few days before 9-11, this third in a row, four days after the one that was four days after the big uh, swirl, uh, comes down, and it's the same format. It's, it's exactly the same format as what Carl Sagan sent out in 1974, mm -hmm. except that there's some differences. And one difference is that the, uh, they also have silicon, in their bodily structure, which is probably, in my mind, associated with the fact that uh, the, the beings that we were dealing with in this case uh, were, are uh, insectoid in uh, derivation. Their, their body chemistry has external 
um, uh, skeletons instead of internal. And uh, as a consequence of that, they do not have the musculature to uh, express things like smiling and frowning and emotions. And that's why people who encounter them say, oh, they have no emotions. They have emotions, they just can't express them physically like humans. In any case, there's some message went on, and there's a lot more of them than there are of us. They live in more places than we do, and when it came down to here's what we look like, guess what? They were four feet tall with big heads. And all those came down uh, uh, right there before uh, 9-11. So that, that got us interested in this. And yeah. then we but Brian, went back just, to do this book. Brian, just before uh, you... That's what uh, got us into the essences. Right. Just before we go into that, because we want to talk in great detail about those essences, but go back to the time of these, the, the misinformation that started about the crop circles, because I remember that very clearly. Coming from Ireland, I remember the news coming from, especially that area in southern England, around Glastonbury, Tor, and all those, Stonehenge and those areas, where these crop circles were coming down, and a story was put out that there was two guys from the bar with a few planks and ropes, and they were leveling the crops around the place, and they they managed somehow to be able to do this. Why do you think that there was such an effort at disinformation. I mean, let me ask you the same question this way. Wouldn't you imagine that society as a whole would be so enthralled with this possibility and so excited that it would, it would be on the mainstream news that, you know, send out the best scientists to investigate this and broadcast to the world that we have contact of some kind? Why do you think the deception s- stepped in? You know what, Ohano, I mean, it's really funny because, yes, I totally agree with you. I think, I wonder at why people don't want scientists out there, why people are not completely fascinated with this. But really the reality is that when anything is so new like this and unexplainable, people really can't handle it. We were talking to somebody about um, when flight was beginning, and there's a story about this man in England who... Um, was, was telling, actually told people that he was a balloon um, scientist, and he said, don't worry, he said, it will never happen that something heavier than air will fly. And everybody went, yes. oh, good, oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah, good. And yeah. that, that's the same thing with the crop circles. Right. Um, they, can't, they can't grasp it, they can't understand it, so as soon as they hear something that's tangible, that's understandable, then all of the crop circles, and that explains that that's okay, now I don't have to think about this. Right. That's really the reality that we're up against. Yeah, maybe it is under, underneath the surface yeah. a, a security issue for people. You know, don't change my paradigm think, too much, you know. Exactly. It's, it's a complete paradigm shift, and that's very, very hard for society. This is one major crack in the dam, and yes. if it isn't patched and fogged immediately, you're going to have to deal with the dam cracking and the dam opening and a flood of new information coming in that changes almost everything that we think we ever knew. Now, let us... And let us people are interested in doing that. Yeah, let us use this word disclosure. And I want to talk about disclosure from two levels. And the first one is our own full disclosure and that we were in your home in North Carolina one evening when you opened your fridge and in the fridge were all these blue colored bottles 
Can you explain to our listeners that level of, of, of uh, disclosure? What was it that you were doing with those bottles? Where did they come from? And tell, tell our listeners all about that. And then perhaps we'll talk about the whole level of government disclosure about crop circles and ETs. Sure. When we um, started, when we, when we first observed back right before 2001 that we were dealing with extraordinarily strong information that we are working with benevolent uh, folks that are not us. Um, at that time, we were also aware that in Japan, I think most of your listeners are aware of Masarutu, Masaratu Moto and his work with the freezing water. And he found that if you if you take a bottle of water and you put a word on it like love and you freeze it, you get beautiful crystals. And if you put a word like hate on it and freeze it, same water, they turn out to be ugly crystals. And so he was beginning to suggest that water has a memory. Water remembers the energy around it. And so it occurred to me, and this is where Pam says I, I made a mistake and I got into my right brain instead of sticking into my, sticking my logical left brain. But my right brain said, say, uh, why don't we just take virgin water into these authentic crop circles and have the water remember the energy? Because we don't know what it's for, how to use it, or anything like that, but this is the time to do it. And so starting in 2002, we worked with uh, Barbara Lamb, who is a, uh, a very famous uh, crop circle researcher and author, and we had her take water from the Glastonbury White Well and put it in the glass bottles. And uh, she's a dowser, so she would douse the authenticity of uh, formation and find its energetic center. And then um, she would uh, sit there with the water and invite the beneficial energies that are intended for the human race to come into that water and be remembered in that water. And when she would intuit that that process was done, she would cap it and label it and put it aside and uh, at the end of the summer ship it to us and we would convert it through a process into these blue bottles of um, magic water that are, uh, if you took it into a science lab and said, what do you have here? The answer is water. Okay. Um, but this is beyond our science. There are subtle energies that are not being recorded by the scientific instruments that are involved with these crop formations, and these subtle energies are in the water that we have um, energized, and there's a hundred of them now, and when we, we just kept collecting them, and we didn't know exactly what to do with them until uh, your beloved Angale uh, came into it, and... Um, yeah, and one, one thing I wanted to say, you know, we think about the water and plants, and if you look at a plant cell, the cell is, um, the center of the cell is almost all water. I mean, the, the workings of the cell are around the water, so plants are filled with water. So this memory is being held more in plants when we're filled with water, but plants are even more so. So we find that that interesting. But we, um, to answer where Brian was going, he, um, we had uh, we worked with Barbara Lamb and somebody else for a while, and they were intuiting what was, um, you know, what the, the message of these crop circles. And then, yes, we met Angel Rose, who reads Akashic Records, and we have worked with her, and um, it's been astounding to um, get the information out of the Akashic Records of what these, each one of these essences, the meaning of it, the purpose of it, and what it's good for. And it's, 
amazing to watch people come up and may sometimes from across the room and they'll walk over and pick one up and say, oh, yeah, figures, that's exactly what I need. So it's um, it's been an amazing process, the, the three of us, the four of us, doing these essences since um, 2001 and then recently with Angel Rose. I've got a question for Angel Rose. Can I turn the tables? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, Angel, uh, tell us the story about your granddaughter and her name and the essence that she picked out. Yeah, I, I do want to, let me backtrack a little bit too, because I, I need to get the point across to our listeners that when Ahana and I were at your home and you took us down and opened those refrigerator, that refrigerator and, and all these blue bottles were glaring at us, you know, my first reaction was, oh my God, what are those? You know, the, the power and the energy from them was overwhelming. And, um, and it is true too that if you have all those little bottles out on a table, they, you know, you just are drawn to them because they are a force field in and of themselves. And you, when you walk over and you pick a bottle, you know, it's interesting how the bottle that you pick does resonate with what you're, what's happening or even perhaps a deep seated desire for, um, advancement because people pick some some of those essences are i mean, i mean their their um effect is across such a wide variety of levels everything from uh changing your cellular structure uh evolving your your body uh, clearing out old karma i mean there i believe there's even one there that cleans the karma of all the planets in our solar system there's uh there's essences that affect health there's essences that help the bees there's essences that um, affect gardening and the growth of plants i mean the the diversity is unbelievable and i know that i'm only reading a particular level of them because certainly somebody else who's adepted sacred geometry would come up with uh, even more physics related meanings but uh what happened was my granddaughter was over here one day she's she's seven and a half. I had the bottles out on a table, and she wanted to know what they were and i I told her, and I said, "Well, just go on over there and and pick one okay so she first she was taking them all and picking them up, and then she said, oh, "I don't need to do this, you know she just picked her little hand in there within two seconds, plucked out this crop circle essence. And I was shocked when I read it because her name is Grace. In fact, her name is Grace Rose. And she picked the essence called Grace Bestowed. And I thought of all the essences she could pick, it had her name in it. And it, and it, I think it was the only one that's been created by a higher order of angels. And, um, if you knew her, you know, you'd clearly, clearly see how that would be so natural for her. But, it, it was just, it was just shocking, wasn't it, Hannah, when she picked that yes. up? And wasn't there another yeah. incident too when we were showing the essences up in Mankato in Minnesota and it, it, it needed to be proven to ourselves too how effective they were at the time and understand where we were. This lady came across and scanned her hand across all the bottles and picked one and it was the very one that 
was about bees, wasn't it? It had a bee crop circle on it. And it turned out that she had been stung by a bee and had this incredible fear of bees all her life. And it was, she had an allergic reaction to it. And it was the very essence that she needed. And uh, that was, of course, one of the many, many confirmations that we've had of how, how amazing and how effective these essences are. But you're talking about the the fridge full of these blue essences. So take it up from there, Brian and Pam, and just bring it forward to today. Then how you what what you do with this this water? Let's call it this 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 imbibed powered water, and how you how you work with it from there. Sure. The most common question that uh, people have when they are drawn to one of the essences is they will say, uh, how am I supposed to use this? And the only answer uh, is always the same, and that is inquire within. There is no external uh, uh, directions on what to do. It differs from person to person. What we tell people to do is to sit with the the bottle in a uh, sacred space, uh, wherever you meditate or get yourself spiritually quiet, and just be with it. And then just contemplate what it is that you are needing. And if something occurs to you, that's exactly how you're going to be using it. Uh, Someone might uh, uh, get the idea that it might be good to put a drop of the essence on their crown of their head or maybe rub it into their left uh, elbow or put a drop on the floor in each room in the house or drip some in a circle around the house or put it into the drinking water every day or take a drop before you go to bed or on and on and on. It, you know, it's different for different people and these these essences are, are not only very strange, they are exceedingly strange because uh, there was a time that uh, Ann Gale will be glad to uh, relate, I'm sure, where she was uh, decoding one of the essences, and she uh, she set up, and she said, oh my, um, they're telling me that they are living beings, and they will specify their names, and they will specify their prices. And that just surprised all of us, but it did set up a new chapter where we went back through all 100 of the essences to ask them what name they wanted to be called and what uh, price uh, they wanted to be sold for, and uh, this went on. So what this meant, basically, in terms of the question, how do you use it, the context is that this each one of these bottles represents some strange form of uh, distributed energy being of some kind. It's like they are alive, and they have a personality, and they answer questions, and they do all this uh, in, in an intuitive way. They speak to you through insights and intuition. And so you just begin to be a, be friends with the the one that is uh, is calling to you, and you develop a relationship. So uh, when people develop these relationships, they find that they want to have the bottle nearby, and they want to know where it is, and they want to make sure it's comfortable and it's not being left in the back window of the car on a hot sunny day, and it's not being frozen in the winter outside, and you know you, you take care of it like it's a living being, and uh, then it uh, 
it communicates and you follow that communication and wonderful and unpredictable things happen in people's lives. It's just how it happens. Well, this is very interesting because I have a, I do remember also doing those and we also would ask who created them. So we, we got the answers on who created them as well. And, um, uh, predominantly they're mostly Arcturian or Pleiadian with, uh, I do believe there's one circle that said it was made by the ancient Mayans. Another one, like I mentioned, from the higher order of angels. Uh, and I think recently we had one that was made from even something far out. I don't remember now. I have to try to recapture that. But my roommate, our roommate here, when we have these in the home, she picked up one one day, and it was, uh, I believe it was called Realities Intersecting. And um, at the time, she was going through uh, quite a depression for because of a few things that were going on in, in her life. Right. And she sat there, and she just held it. She didn't take it internally. She didn't even really open the bottle. She just held it in her hand. And all of a sudden, all these tears started streaming down her face, and she was crying and crying and having a an incredible emotional reaction. But this love transference from the bottle came to her and began to heal her emotionally. And she worked with that for a long time. And since we've been here, she's made so many changes in her life. I mean, we're talking about somebody who... Uh, wouldn't get up out of the chair all day to somebody who's out and about now and has gotten back into her her spiritual self family and in her healing work and changed her diet and has done all sorts of uh, really wonderful things for herself. And I have one more story. Uh, we did a little group here probably six months ago. Uh, we were doing a quantum jumping class actually, but we had the essences with us. And there was a gentleman there who, no matter what jump we went on, he had no experience whatsoever. He, in fact, when you'd come around to him, he would just nod his head like, just go on to the next person because nothing's happening. So at the end, um, he picked an essence. I don't remember the name of it, unfortunately, but it did have to do with opening your heart and being able to love more completely. And uh so he took it, and then we didn't hear anything from him for the longest time. And one of the women who was at the group, she gave me a call two weeks ago, and uh she was reporting on the people who had taken the, the essences. And she mentioned him, and she said uh that he has done a complete transformation, that he admitted to her, as skeptical as he was, that that essence took a couple weeks to work, but I think he was taking it internally. But all of a sudden, it just opened up his heart chakra, and he he she said he's just like a different person. So we're telling these stories to really get the point across on how incredibly powerful these essences are. And I think mentioning the fact that they're beings, uh, when we got that information, it made sense on one level. It was it was like, well, of course. But the other part of that is, you know, the whole realization and reminder that we are in a relationship with everything in life. And it makes sense that you say, of course, these essences, you know, they take on a 
or even the circles, they take on a particular pattern. And that pattern, you know, is a unique geometry that is an actual uh, being. It actually creates itself into a being. And, you know, realizing that it's made me completely respect those essences. And uh, I am very, very conscious on how I handle them, how I pack them, what I do with them, because I, I feel like I'm with a whole new family of beings that um right you know just we're just not aware of at, at our human level yes and tell us tell us when you talk about stories you know a lot of times people feel the need for proof of one kind or another uh, brian let me direct this question at you and another of your stories is the one about the water in your hot tub and that was actual proof for quite a large number of people that there was something really interesting about this, these crop circle essences. Can you tell us that story? Sure. Uh, the story here goes back to the uh, monologue I went to at the beginning of this uh, interview. Uh, it goes back to the Milk Hill Formation of um, August 12th, 2001. And... That one, uh, it was just so incredible. I mean, it was clearly, in, in our minds, not made by hand, which is where the name came from. And we, uh, in working with that, and we were publishing the books of these uh, two uh, women, Judy uh, Carroll and Helene Kay from Australia. And in the, uh, the one, one book is non-fictional, one is a docudrama, but in the non-fictional book, there's a message, she talks about how um, they were uh, interacting and asking for the thing. And so we figured at some point it might be good to have her go back to uh, her contacts. And she works with these uh, uh, beings that are still wearing the little uh, four-foot-tall uh, soul containers, little Zetas, and have her go back and ask them, uh, what, what is this thing, this, uh, this big uh, formation that occurred uh, there at Milk Hill. What, what's it for? You know, what can you tell us about it? And she went and she talked to her people and came back. And she said, they tell me that this is a global healing mandala. It's a gift to the human race from the off-planet people. And it's up to you to figure it out. So they were not going to send us any uh, instruction manual, but there was something. There was a tool there, something about manifesting our intentions in a good way. So we began working with people. Eventually, we were working with people, uh, uh, a lot of people in Japan and other countries around the world, over a period of a number of years in which we intuitively uh, evolved a variation of the pattern that was in that um, that formation. And in the field, it was it was fixed in the ground, and it was either the, the stalks either bent or not. So it, it didn't really have color, didn't have motion, didn't have sound, but it seemed like those things ought to be there. So over a period of a few years, we evolved a color pattern where the, the center of that formation seems to want to be uh, purple, like the, uh, the color of the crown chakra. And there are these six symmetric arms, and at the ends of each arm, there, it seems to want to be red which is the color of the base chakra. So there's kind of chakra-based colors uh, in these arms. 
the thing seems to want to rotate in a counterclockwise direction. So we worked with some animators in Japan. We made an animation of it. We uh, added some uh, beautiful music to it, and we found that uh, this is a tool for uh, manifesting intentions. So what we did was we started experimenting with it, and we found one thing that we found was that if we uh, hold a dowsing pendulum over a bottle of this water, which we're not calling Tesla water, that's another um, story, but uh, it's easier to say than swirling water, but in a Tesla water, we'd hold a dowsing pendulum over a bottle of Tesla water, and it would uh, rotate counterclockwise in the same direction that the group energy was rotating when we uh, formed the uh, essence in the first place. And if we took a single drop of that and put it into another bottle, and tested that with a pendulum, it would start uh, rotating as well. And then we, uh, it just occurred to me intuitively, again, in my unnatural right, uh, right brain state, that it might be interesting to uh, meditate in a hot tub full of water that's swirling like that. So I cleaned out the hot tub and put in fresh water and put in a single drop of the Tesla water, tested the hot tub, and it's swirling, and it keeps on swirling. And it goes on and on. We have used no chemicals whatsoever in that hot tub for two years. And it forms no scum. It doesn't get cloudy. It just keeps on rotating in that uh, that, that uh, spiritual way with the uh, dowsing pendulum. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get scummy. We don't have to do it. Out of general principle, we change the water a few times a year and put another drop of, this, of the Tesla water in there. It's an amazing thing. Um, I think Pam wanted to say something. Yeah, the interesting thing there was that this was the counterclockwise water that we used, and we thought, okay, you know, this is a three-dimensional formation. So if you're looking down from above, it's going counterclockwise, and if you're looking at it from underneath, it's going clockwise. So why don't we try the clockwise water in that? And within three weeks, the water started getting cloudy. So there's definitely something about this counterclockwise water. Yes. And we have a friend of ours who has used it in his hot tub as well, and no problems at all for a couple of years either. Yeah, isn't that, am- isn't that amazing, though? Swirling water is extremely powerful. Yeah, and isn't that I'll something that's one. tangible that people want to hear right. in terms of the, the raw reality of the benefit of these uh, crop circle essences, that if you use that's one, right. one drop in a hot tub? What, what happens when you drink it, you guys? Because I know you put it in your water. Oh, we have another story. <laughs> we have another recent story. Well, I have a question first. Put a dowsing pendulum over her head and swirl. <laughs> <laughs> we had a medical intuitive here um, doing a, a class, and he came in, and uh, we had a potluck afterward, but he didn't eat at all. They left early. But we had um, some lemon water in... Um, a container down in our kitchen, and he drank that. And the next day, we get a call from him saying, what was in that water? It was the only thing he had, and his knee had been very, very sore when he got here, and um, when he left, it was fine. And we said, well, it was just lemon water, as far as we know. And I went down, and the swirling water that we had done before was about a foot away from it. So we thought, well, could it have crossed over? So we put the uh, pendulum on it, sure enough, it was swirling. <laughs> And Brian tested, he put some other water there uh, about a foot away from the swirling water, and the next morning it was swirling. So um, he he immediately bought some. He said, you know, I need a bottle of that. And uh, it, it's uh, we have people going all over the world dropping it into water, bodies of water, and um, 
we're hoping that it sends out good energy, and I'm sure it is, and connect all the water in the world is connected. The intention that uh, started out in this uh, particular test um, uh, of water is the intention of the fifth world, the, the new configuration of living on Earth that is what we all want. It's the organic, uh, equitable, uh, clean, peaceful, beautiful world. It's the Garden of Eden. It's whatever. And the intentions that went into that first one that uh, was so powerfully uh, uh, created have that intention in them. And as we uh, bring this water into the surface waters of the world, and we've got 27 nations participating right now around the world, and people carry these bottles with them. Every time they cross a creek or something, they put a drop of water in there. And it's an amazing thing. Uh, all this water is connected, and all those intentions are going into the water, and there's some kind of a subtle vibration that's connecting all of the uh, water in the world. And uh, we have great hope that this, uh, this will be a positive thing that will uh, bring about a better world. I wonder what would happen if they if they sprayed the earth from airplanes with that, in essence. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I wonder if it would clean our atmosphere. It probably would. Um, I'd like to get some spy in in, uh, in the chemtrail uh, uh, crews and uh, put a drop in their tanks before they set out. Yeah, that's what I'm and, talking uh, just, about. Uh, put some of that in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the bees because the bees have been a real yeah. concern across the planet with uh, hives dying all over the place. And right. part of this story it is that you did uh, call me because your own hives have died. But we're going to take just a really quick break, and when we come back, uh, I would like you to tell our audience the bee story. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Bangal Rose and Ahanu. Ah, you're very welcome back, folks. We're speaking with Brian and Pam Chrissy of the Not Made by Hands Crop Circle Energy Essences. And we are delving deep into the benefit of these essences. And we're speaking about where they came from, the, their whole origins. We're speaking about the power of the essences, how to use the essences, the stories of how people have benefited from them. And we've touched on the global healing mandala and how they've cleared the water in their hot tub and not needed to use chemicals for the last two years and various other healing benefits that people are getting from them. So bring us now full circle and right up to the present day, because you've you've just come back from a trip. No, oh, I'm sorry. I, no. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, now, we're, we're, going we're going to talk about the bees. Yeah, we're going to talk about... Yeah, let's talk about the bees, and then we'll okay, go into your recent trip. Sure, we can do that. The... Uh, uh, readers, the, uh, the listeners to your program probably understand that the bees are in trouble, and they are impacted in a number of ways by various things, um, and and they are they're collapsing at a rate that is not sustainable. And it's the 
if the bees uh, get wiped out, then uh, humans are going to be impacted because the bees are responsible for maybe a third of the food supply. And it's not just the mundane food supply, it's all the good stuff. It's the fruits and vegetables and nuts and, you know, the yummy stuff. Um, and so we don't want to have a future that uh, depends only upon uh, wind-pollinated grains, which is, is what might be left if the uh, bees uh, disappear. So it's a very serious thing. So when we were uh, looking at these uh, essences and, uh, and inquiring into them, uh, one of them that uh, Angel mentioned is in the form of a honeybee, and it was a, an alert, you know, pay attention to honeybees, find out what the going on, uh, there needs to be some adjustment there, and so we started looking into that. Um, there was another formation that uh, occurred in the form of a melatonin molecule. Now, if this is being done by um, pranksters in the dark, they happen also to be chemists, um, and that seems a little unusual, but this was the melatonin molecule. We looked into that. We found out uh, one thing leads to another that uh, the thing that was going on and is going on in our society right now is that uh, cell phones and cell phone towers emit radio frequency um, signals that we all really anticipate and we think it's a great thing you know, to have a, you know, so many bars, oh, I've got a good signal. But the other way to look at that is, oh, my goodness, I'm really being irradiated by radio frequency. And so maybe it's not so good of an idea, but... In any case, what happens, it seems, is that the radio frequency interferes with the pineal gland, which has the, um, the function in our body of releasing melatonin during the night, and it reacts to visible light. And when it doesn't have visible light, it turns on the melatonin, and the melatonin sweeps up the free radicals, and we stay healthy. If we let the free radicals build up in the body, we get unhealthy. We have cancers and diabetes and all kinds of things. So it's important to have the melatonin flowing through our body, so it's important to have the pineal gland know when it's dark. The problem seems to be that the radio frequency is confused with visible light by the pineal gland because they're fairly close to each other on the electromagnetic spectrum. So our cell phone technology is creating um, a problem uh, for uh for us through the, the melatonin, the, uh, the, the melatonin is not being produced in a good way in, in our bodies, and so we have to amplify that. The reason I bring up the melatonin is that the radio frequency is also affecting the, the honeybees. It affects their, the, the radio frequency is affecting the honeybees and their ability to navigate back uh, to their hives. So we put all this together, and at one point we I gathered a group together and we started creating what we call higher level essences. If we if we look at the original essences coming from the crop circles as keys on a piano, we're talking about inventing new chords, new harmonic chords, combinations of, of these uh, primary uh, keys that are intended to help with uh, particular uh, issues. And through Angel's reading of the Akashic Records, it was uh, told to us that we should not combine any more than six at a time. And almost every time, uh, we have involved the, uh, the one from the Global Healing Mandala, the Tesla Water, and then usually about five others. We gathered some people together at one point with the intention of helping the bees. And various uh, these essences uh, came together, the melatonin one, the honeybee one, and some others,
and create a new harmonic uh, chord uh, for the uh, in, in order to help the uh, the bees. So it's a little unclear as to how to make use of that. So we started out with our beehives and uh, put a, um, a a bottle of the uh, the bee essence uh, in the hive, and it really didn't. Uh, do anything, and, and, I, and I began to think about that and, and meditate on it, and it seemed to be what it really needed to do was to um, protect the bees when they're out in the field, because the radio frequency interference affects them out in the field, and if the bottle is just in the hive, it doesn't help them find their way back. So that led to putting a drop of this uh, bee essence in the sugar water that we then put down with the bees, and the bees drink the sugar water, and then they go out into the field, and then they seem to um, know their way home, and they're not as influenced by the insecticides and pesticides and radio frequency and the rest of that, and they seem to find their way home. So we've had some good experience. Some weak beehives have recovered, and they're stronger now, and we have some good uh, expectations of good results in the future. That's a great story. I don't know how many. Every time somebody posts something on Facebook about the bees, I always quickly yeah. put your website in there. <laughs> uh, I just yeah, like, go yeah. go to this place <laughs> and order the bee essence because there is a there is a solution. So you know, I I'm so happy there is a solution and that it's working because once again, you know, it implies that we can change nature and change all sorts of things mm-hmm. in our world with these essences. Mm-hmm. So we so we want to switch gears now and go to your recent England trip and um, yeah. tell us what happened because you came back with some really fascinating stories. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was, what really our trip actually started back in the uh, in 2012 at the winter solstice because we had a friend here who uh, did not come to our winter solstice because she had picked up one of our essences about a week before that she was just drawn to, and it's basically changed her life. She was really led to um, stay home and cut up all of her bead jewelry, which was a strange thing to do, but just that process was very healing for her and very transitional. And then she was led to um, take the beads and make a design, which turned out to be, again, very beautiful. Then uh, recently she was led to make smaller um, diagonal um, diamond-shaped uh, beaded yeah. Yeah, patterns, and they all have equilateral crosses on them. So she, before our trip, she was very insistent that we come up and um, see this latest iteration of um, what she's being led to do. And she had one there that resembled our... Um, swirl with the colors, the same colors, the chakra colors, an equilateral cross, and the diamond shape. And she had, um, I guess a couple weeks before we went up there, she had placed, she was led to place two beads between the crosses. And as soon as she did that, she said, this is for Pam and Brian. So we were told by Barbara Lamb to uh, think of an image in our head that we wanted to create. And once I saw these, the speed work, I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. You know, it was like, okay, the, the equilateral cross in a diamond shape. And then I would try to bring in something else. Okay, try to bring in another shape, but that was it. 
so I shared it with Brian and we started creating it. And when we went over there, we shared it with the group of 18 that we were with. And we all meditated on that. And the next day, uh, crop circle came down, equal level across, and a diamond shaped. And in between the, the crosses were two circular crop circles, little, little circles, just like the beaded pattern that Sandy gave us. And we didn't even realize that until we came back. And in addition to that, um, there were 18 aspects of this crop circle, and there were 18 of us. And it was, it was very interesting because I went into such knowing. Um, we got to a point where, you know, we, we had manifested it and we let it go, and the night before it came, I went to bed, and I just said, we're going to have a crop circle. That's it. And the next morning I woke up and I lay there and said, we have a crop circle. And it was not 30 seconds later that Brian's sister was running up the steps saying, we have a crop circle, we have a crop circle. And then we not only had that crop circle, but the next, the following day, we had another equilateral cross in a diamond shape, and that had circles within squares. And then the third day we had a diamond shape with um, a cross. And it was interesting because the week later, when a new group came in, the patterns were very different. So we clearly, I mean, it, it, it felt so clear that we were in communication. And in fact, the day after that first one came down, I got this beautiful message through, and the message was loud and clear. This is communication. This is contact. This is connection. And I've never felt it so strongly as over there. I think, you know, we doubt what we what we've experienced throughout our lives. I've had this connection. I've had this contact. But it was like a direct letter coming down from the unseen world. And it was incredibly beautiful and profoundly changing. Yeah, let me ask you this opinion, too. When you think of who's who is delivering these messages do you get a sense or did the people in your group get a sense that you were related to these makers in other words you know a lot of people that i do readings for will start off the reading by saying you know i know i i don't belong on earth this isn't my home did you get a sense of that when you were there did you feel that whoever created this was your family or was it just an awareness that we were communicating with um, off-planet beings? Or even if the same people, if, if they were the same beings that connected with you all those years ago that you told us about your first encounter? Yeah, I, I think I did. Um, I felt extreme love. Um, lying in the crop circles, I think, I think for everybody it's profound, but I felt extreme love. In the second one that came down, I even had a hand reached down. I was kind of, I don't know if I was sleeping or in that no zone between sleep and awake, and a hand reached down, and it was so real that my hand reached up to uh, take something. And um, it was um, extremely emotional for me. And I'll try to get this out, but it may not come out right now. But... um, so, yeah, obviously, with the emotional reaction that I'm having right now, I would say, yes, these beings have been around a long time, and it, it's, it was a way, with me. And it was a way to, um, it's a way for tangible contact. 
you know, it can't, it can't be disproven. In my mind, it can't be disproven. I don't know what the rest of the 18 felt, you know. I can only speak for myself. But um, it was extremely powerful. And it's even if you're not connected in an emotional way like that, they're definitely showing us a mystery. They're showing us a new science that we don't understand. And even if you don't have the emotional connection, you have to stand there in awe that how is this happening? You know, we cannot explain it. And I think they want us to just enjoy that mystery as well. I wanted to say also that the communication that seems to occur here is um, tailored, I think, to the individuals who are paying attention. Uh, to the process, and this group of 18 that we were a part of included uh, maybe a half dozen uh, mathematicians of one kind or another, retired teachers and such, and the second of the three diamond cross formations that occurred over a few days was one in which the outer diamond had inscribed in it a circle, inside of which was inscribed a diamond inside of which was a circle, inside of which was a diamond, dot, 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 all the way down to the center. And what's curious about that? Well, that is one thing that geometry teachers do. They inscribe uh, circles inside of squares, and they can go back to Archimedes, and there's this whole process, and approximate pi, and all kinds of things. And the mathematicians in the group immediately recognized uh, what that was, that this uh, second of the three was uh, speaking in some way to the, uh, the mathematicians in a language that they understood. And in the years that I spent uh, teaching mathematics and computer science at the university level, I taught uh, uh, statistics uh, for many years. And the occurrence of these three precise formations, uh, one, two, three, um, set up a statistical test that I could uh, I could run, and I understood what to do with that. And I think in some sense maybe those three were presented uh, so that I could work with it as a, uh, as a statistician. And what that turned out to be was that this characteristic of a diamond shape or an equilateral cross is something that I could go back through the history of reported crop circles in the area determine the probability that uh, if there is a crop circle, it's of that type. And I found that uh, there's less than 2% of those that had occurred over the last uh, dozen years or so that were of that type. So what that would mean is that if this were some natural random process, if you had three occurrences in a row of something that has a 2% probability of occurring, then the probability of that of three things occurring like that is 2% of 2% of 2%, which is vanishingly small, which means that it's not a random process. This was not something that just randomly occurred. There's something explaining this. The, the probability that results from 2% of 2% of 2% is equivalent to uh, having a, a full deck of 52 cards well shuffled and then pulling out four cards and they're all aces. That's the likelihood of these three in a row of 2% probability each. And what it means is that this is not 
a random occurrence. Is there something explaining this? You know, if this happens in a poker game, uh, somebody will get shot maybe because you don't have four aces uh, randomly selected when you pull four cards out of the deck. It happens so rarely that there must be something like cheating that explains it. Well, that's what's going on here. It's not cheating, but there's a thing. There's something that's explaining this, and I think what explains it is this is a communication. This is a reaction to a request to have a diamond cross formations. And I want to make it clear that we're not the only one who gets the request and gets answers. I mean, this happens. This is very common. Um, you don't even have to ask sometimes. Uh, well, maybe they were asking, but a Mayan elder came to England a few years ago, quite a few years ago, and maybe he or she was asking um, for a formation, but the day that the elder arrived, a very Mayan symbol was laid down in the crop. Oh, what a coincidence there. Yeah, right. And there's a, yeah, there's a... Um, a man there who has been flying over crop circles for years, and he was flying over one day, and he looked down the field, and he said, I think there's going to be a Celtic cross down there tomorrow, and there was a Celtic cross down there tomorrow. I mean, we, this happens all the time. <laughs> right. The, the pilot that uh, flew over the field some years back, and um, they were clear, and he went over some crop circle and was returning the passengers to the airport, and... Uh, across over the same field, and there is a fully formed uh, in the field. Yeah, within 10 or 15 minutes. In broad daylight. He was not a believer before that. What do you think is the What do you think is the main message that is inherent in those circles? Is there a main message, or are they all very geometrically specific to their messages? Much like you know, we we find out when we go in and read them, but. But overall, do you pick up any particular intention, especially because of the way the world is today? Do you, when you were in England, did you feel anything about the world in the future while you were there? No, I, I not really. Um, I'd have to think about that, but um, I think it's what we talk about: the connection and the communication. We, one of the things that came through me that same day was that not everybody can come to the crop circle, but the energy can come to people now through these crop circle essences. And maybe that's why we were, quote, led, unquote, to do this. Because I think they are trying to affect change, but they can't do it directly. So we're the tools. And these old do have energy messages, energy signatures. They are communication. They are making change in people. They are helping to evolve people. And it's a way for us to interact with them without it being scary or without it being, um, it's our choice. It's our choice to join in and our choice to find these essences or our choice to travel over there. So it makes it easy. There, they're infinitely loving and infinitely patient. Right. And it's like we're, we're providing this for you, and you can take it or leave it. There is more. You can take the energy essence. You can, you can look at the crop circle and receive whatever you receive from it. But the scientists are also receiving a lot of scientific um advancement by studying these. So it's multi-level in that way, that it can help you spiritually, it can help you emotionally, 
and it's helping us evolve scientifically. Right. I think for me, the the highest level uh, content of all these formations is the statement, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there is something, someone, somebody out there that is intelligent and aware. They are watching us, and they are friendly. They are family. Uh, they are us. We are them. And I think the... Um, the idea of this being a free will planet is important here. And one cannot prove such assertions that Earth is a free will planet, but it seems from uh, the highest uh, places that I can gather any uh, intelligence that Earth is some kind of an experiment where we are allowed to incarnate here, and the question is can we get it all together on our own? without uh, someone from out there or some other place telling us what to do. And I think this is probably the case. I think this is a free will planet. So given that, they they self-regulate themselves, whoever these measures are, so that they will not be landing on the right up lawn. And if it's reported that that's happening, you better check your sources because they're probably making it up. They're not going to be landing in some obvious way. They feel that they have no right to force people to uh, change their minds about anything. And you can imagine what would happen if uh, there were any such uh, totally obvious uh, evidence. Uh, many people would just go start raving mad because they can't deal with having to change everything they ever thought that they knew. Yes. So it's a gracious and sensitive thing to put clues into the fields of England and other places around the world that allow those who are interested to inquire into, but it's never forced. You know, yes. we, can, we can get this evidence and uh, work with it and feel good about it, and for our ourselves individually, we yes. can have that inner knowing. And we have friends, we're not alone. Yes. Now, let our listeners know, Brian and Pam, where they can go to get hold of these essences. Or if they would like to go to the primary website, it's notmadebyhands.com, all run together, no hyphens. And there they will find the introduction to the essences and the background and the histories and testimonials and galleries and indexes and collections and all kinds of things that uh, will enable them to uh, see if perhaps one of these essences or more is uh, talking to their needs. The notmadebyhands.com site is part of our larger website, which is granite-planet.net, and that's where we also have the publishing arms and other things going on there, uh, and the granite publishing arm and its imprints, Roth R. Press and Swan Raven, is what uh, has brought on Gail's uh, book, A Time of Change, into the world through the wildfire press. Right, right. Now, one of the big difficulties that I've always seen with regard to crop circles is, in a way, their inaccessibility. In other words, the crop circles come down and they may be there for 12 hours, 24 hours maybe, or the farmer will come along and plough up his field or reap his harvest or whatever. And then there are people like yourselves who are very lucky to be able to go and visit that area of the United Kingdom. But for most people, 
the concept of crop circles remains something that's very distant, something that's inaccessible to them. So yeah. you, 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 you've outlined a whole bunch of stories there. Uh, we have witnessed a whole bunch of those realities around the crop circles. But what you're effectively doing is you're bringing the energy of the crop circles to the people. That, that's what you're doing, yeah. and you're making that available. That's exactly, that's exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about a paradigm shift earlier, but and those of us who are in the paradigm shift and can't wait till it shifts um, do look at it the way you were talking about it initially, Hunter. That why don't we just? I mean, this is fascinating. Why aren't we all involved in it? But really, it's one person at a time, like the person you're living with. Um, she shifts a little bit. We evolve a little bit, and all of us are doing it. You know, it's not like we're above anybody else by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and this is a way for us to do that. I really believe this is um, the contact and the connection. <laughs> you know, we keep reading, but when are they going to contact us? When are they going to contact us? Well, they're contacting us. They have contacted us. Right. And they do every summer. All right, well, we want to go next year. Did you hear about? We yeah. want to go with you next year. Did you hear us? Let's, uh, let's I want to go too. Plan on that. It's a wonderful thing. It's just so life changing. We'd have a blast. Talking about the, mm-hmm. the formation thing, short lived of these three that uh, seem to have uh, occurred as a result of our, eight, our group of eighteen asking for diamond-shaped equilateral crosses. The third one showed up in a farmer's field, and by the time it was noticed, there was one photograph taken of it, and by the time it was reported back to the CrossCircleConnector.com website and people knew about it, the, the farmer already got his combine out and harvested the thing uh, to try to destroy it. And the only photograph there is of it is the formation with the combine just not ready to destroy it. And this is the nature of the politics over there uh, at this point. This year was particularly uh, difficult because there was such an opportunity for some good things happening that didn't quite happen. What was happening was that it was um, it was clear to a lot of people who have been watching this that the farmers do have a solid point in that they are just simple farmers. They just want to harvest their wheat and sell it in the market. Uh, please, everybody, stay out of our fields. So stop trumping down our grain. And all those uh, nasty uh, plankers in the night to come out and smash things down. Please stop doing that. Uh, that's their perspective. It's, it's not anything uh, strange or otherworldly. They're just uh, pranks and uh, lunatics and, uh, and all that. And it's got to be stopped. So... The farmers are kind of going in the opposite direction. They're, they're saying, well, let's just harvest them as soon as they come down, keep the people out of our fields, and uh, leave us alone. But at the same time, the, the crop circle researchers and people interested in preserving some of this are, are saying, well, um, it seems like the farmers have a point. You know, if, if these crops are being comped down at some point, that's a crop that they can't harvest. So why don't we gather some money together from people who would like to finance these crop circles and we will pay the farmers uh, to compensate them for the lost grain and then we will uh, generate that money by selling 
examples to people to enable them to go visit the uh, formations that occur in the fields of farmers who are cooperative in this. And it uh, was a wonderful idea. And then the, uh, the climate change uh, going on, the global warming, whatever it is, the splitting of the, uh, the uh, jet stream, whatever. Uh, it was a terribly rainy, cold, wet, delayed season in England. And when normally they might have 70 formations, they might have had seven. There's very few compared to what there had been because the, the weather didn't allow the crops to mature at the right time. And many farmers would plow up their fields and replant with something later in the season and it wasn't mature at the time. The formations normally occur and all that stuff. So there weren't that many that were available to uh, visit. So the, the, the worth of the season pass was not considered uh, high enough to uh, to actually be recommended as a good purchase. And so the program really did work. And uh, it's a real shame because uh, it is a good idea. I think it does, in my humble opinion, and I'm certainly not in charge, when these formations occur, immediately the United Nations or somebody should put up a perimeter fence around it to preserve it and allow people to come in and experience it as a intergalactic global communication park of some kind. I mean, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. And here's then, another uh, Here's just, another thought, uh, too, that I mean. Come down. Yeah. We, yeah, I'm, I'm interrupting you only because we only have a few minutes left, and I do yeah. want to mention, right. I do want to mention your book, and I want you to mention that in a minute, but Thank I, you. I do have the thought when they're harvesting this wheat, I mean, doesn't those, yeah. Doesn't the wheat that is in the circles go as part of the harvest? Because I go to, um, okay, they go, they take that, they go make bread and flour and all sorts. But wouldn't the energy of those essence, those circles in, be in the wheat and, and eventually in the food products yeah. is, is what I'm yeah, wondering. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's going out into the world. We were yeah. talking about that. We thought they should take the seeds from that and sell that. They could make a lot more money. Wow, that's uh, interesting. Multiply their per pound Mm -hmm. price by a hundred and sell the wheat from inside the circles. Yeah, I just hope it's not GMO seed. (laughs) Pardon? I just hope it's not GMO seed. Yeah, right. Maybe it transforms it. They don't do much of that in England. They're they're kind of uh, against that, and that's a good thing. And I must say that a lot of the farmers are friendly, and they do, um, you know, let people in the fields, and people are very respectful, and they do have. you know, boxes up where you can drop two pounds in to go on the field and help the farmer. And what we understand is that most of the farmers over there do believe something very strange is going on, but they just don't admit it to each other. That paradigm shift again. I would imagine. Farmers are traditionally conservative. conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Let's well, let's the, switch uh, gears here. Let's switch gears in our last few minutes and. Um, could you t- talk about your book to our listeners? Let them know that you've just published a book on, uh, what's it say, common sense in uncommon times. Do I have that right, or yeah. do I have it backwards? That's but right. yeah, yeah, we've right. got about uh, three three minutes. Uncommon time. Okay, you got three minutes. <laughs> okay, all right. It's a common sense in uncommon times. And we wrote this because we feel that uh, everything's changing. The climate's changing. It seems like you have the disaster of the day. We, Brian, termed it weird as the new normal. And um, it's a second edition of a book that we came out with in 2001 after the 9-11 incident. But we approached this, and um, this is more about weather these days 
um, and it's basic steps people can take to prepare for the inevitable disruption that Mother Nature brings us. And we really go about it without fear, just prepare and then let it go, knowing, knowing that you're ready. Because especially in situations that come fast, like fires or tornadoes, you don't have time to prepare. So we're just suggesting that people take a few steps ahead of time and then put it aside and don't worry about it. It's just common sense. It's common sense. We, uh, in the book, uh, look at four different uh, situations. We, uh, we don't suggest that people worry too much about what kind of disaster that can uh, affect them, but rather the kind of situation they may be in when that undefined disaster comes your way. You might be alone out of your vehicle, in which case whatever you got in your pocket or purse is what you've got, and we call that a pocket set. It could be that you're out uh, away from home, but you're in your vehicle, in which case there's a go pack and find that you might have in your trunk to be uh, able to survive for a couple of days. If you're stuck in your home uh, without utilities, uh, we talk about having a stash where you put some stored food and water and, and such things aside for that day. And then the other thing is that you might uh, be suddenly evacuated, like a forest fire coming or whatever, in which case grab that portable stash which you keep by your back door and throw it in the car and get out of town. Yeah, and that website is common sense uncommon times dot com. Mm-hmm. Common There's, sense uh, uncommon times dot com. Okay, yeah. 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 That talks about the book. And yeah, where can they Barnes they can get the book from the website? Yeah, the book the book is available at Barnes and Noble and um, obviously Amazon as well. Fantastic. Yeah. I know we keep a survival and kit in our are trunk. Loving it. I mean, people are feeling like it's such a reference book. So it's, it's, it's not very just helpful. your first aid manual. No, it's way right? beyond it's that. How to think about things, how to react, how to feel good, how to feel confidence. Changing times. Okay, we have to draw things to a close here, folks. And we have been speaking with Brian and Pam Chrissy. And two major websites that they've mentioned there are notmadebyhands.com and commonsenseuncommontimes.com. Both really, we encourage people to go and visit those. Now, we've had a wonderful discussion. We've talked about the origins of cosmic energy essences. We've talked about the crop circles in general and where they came from and where they are coming from. We've talked and told stories about the power of the essences and how some people use them. We talked about the global healing mandala and the hot water tub stories and so on and your your visit to the crop circles in the UK and what you gained and learned from that and how you actually co-created a crop circle. And now we're talking about where you can get hold of the essences. Again, those two websites, commonsenseuncommontimes.com and notmadebyhands.com. We have to thank you because we're going to leave it there. And we have a couple of small little announcements that we want to put out to our people. So let us say a quick thank you and goodbye and God bless. And we'll talk again to you soon, Pam and Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, we love you guys. Love you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Okay. Now, to remind people that our World of Empowerment session is online tomorrow morning 
and that is one, a topic-specific subject on what is consciousness, and we do need our people to go to World of Empowerment so that you can actually get hold of the details there, worldofempowerment.com, about that group Akashic Record session about what is consciousness on Sunday morning, and that will also be available in the archives in due course. Next week, we have Penny Kelly, and Penny is a favourite of ours too, who will be speaking to us on all kinds of consciousness subjects. Next week, watch out for that one. And if you'd like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, do contact us at angelrose.com. And until next Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, we send you our love, our blessings, and thanks for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. And as we say in Ireland, Slán agus Benacht de Liv Galair. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.